to do this. Does anybody need a prayer list or has everybody got one? We've got some extra ones here if you need one. They'll be right up here. Take your Bibles. See what a blessing it is, man. I like reading through my Bible today and I come across this guy. I keep coming across and I really like the guy and I went back and checked. I couldn't find anything I ever did on him, uh, but I think it's a, he needs a notable mention. Take your Bibles, go to Jeremiah chapter 38. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. There's a reason why he's called the weeping prophet. He's crying over Israel all the time. Uh, Israel, Israel is in a state. I talked to a preacher friend of mine today, and, and he goes, Mike, he goes, you've been in the military. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, he goes, you and I both think alike. And he goes, you know, the time is drawing short. I said, yeah, man. So I told him what was going on around here. I said, I'm trying to get everything ready so that when I drop off the scene, I said, the next group of people will have it made. Basically, all they have to do is, is just let everything ride. And I said everything, he said, Mike, he said, we're it. We're the end of the group. We're the it. You need to understand it. We're it. Now, this is somebody who is notable that I would think that uh, would, would be in the know more than I would be in the know. He says, but you understand the military. Yeah, I mean, you got things going on in Ukraine, Russia right now, China, all this stuff going on all over the place. And if you stop and think about it for a few seconds, it would scare you to death if you don't have the Lord. If you got the Lord on your side, you really don't care. I mean, I really don't care uh, if they come they could take me. They could do whatever they want. They can't hurt me or touch me unless the Lord allows it. And I've had so many friends in my life, not friends, acquaintances, and I've known other people all down through history, and you read stories left and right about people who get in positions where you look at that and you say, well, Lord, why would you do that to them? But he did it to his own self. He did it to his son. He did it to Jesus Christ. He allowed Jesus Christ to go through what he went through for us. And, and sometimes you'll find through your Bible stories exactly like it. Take Jeremiah 38, 1. It says, then uh, Shep- Shepatiah, the son of uh, Matan, and uh, Gedaliah, the son of Pasher, and Jukal, the son of uh, Shelemiah, and Pasher, the son of Malchiah, heard the words of Jeremiah he had spoken unto the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord. Now, Jeremiah always spoke, Thus saith the Lord. He said, If you're going to say something, you say it like the Lord said it. He said, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in the city shall die by the sword by the famine and by the pestilence. And he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, uh, for, he shall, for he shall have his life for a prey, and he shall live. Thus saith the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, of Babylon's army, and shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, let us put this man to death, or let this man be put to death, for thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remaineth in the city, and the city of all, and, and let's see, and the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of the people, but the hurt. Then Zedekiah the king said, "Behold, he is in your hands. For the king is not uh, is not he that can do anything against you." Then they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon. Uh, of Malchiah and, uh, and the, uh, the son of Hamalek uh, that was in the court of the prison, and they let him down, uh, let down Jeremiah with cords in the dungeon. There was no water but mire, so Jeremiah sunk into mire. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. No, this is an old, old story. Lord, been preached many, many times by many different people. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd give us something special out of your word tonight. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Uh, we got a missionary in the field right now, the Brother Wiles. He's over there, and, and he's doing what he's doing. There's others. I talked to Brother Perry Demopoulos a little while ago, and he'll be in here in March uh, on Sunday morning. I think it's March 19th, uh, whatever that Sunday morning is. I got it on a piece of paper at the house. 
but he was telling me about some things. He's just getting older and older and older, and, and he's 65 just like I am, and, and he gets wore out. I was in the attic the other day, and here's Mike. Mike's all 72, uh, and we're sitting here putting a 73, 73. And uh, I'm not going to let a 73-year-old guy work me under the table. I'm just not going to do it. So, and he takes advantage of that. So he climbs, oh, yeah, get up there, dude. You do this, do this, do this. Get out there and fix the electric duct. Stay out there. And, I mean, if you're talking about a, 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 a pile, not a pile driver, what a slave driver, that's Mike. Uh, and he does it with this little nice-looking face on, like, oh, would you do that kindly? And he's, he doesn't mind any of that stuff. But I tell you what, uh, <laughs> I looked at a 73-year-old guy, and I said, man, I said, you must hurt. I said, I know I hurt. If I hurt, you have to hurt. And uh, he, was, he was all like, yeah, I am, man. It's, it's getting old. You know, this old stuff is for the birds. But there's one thing I found out over the years that you can always do is you can trust God. Uh, trusting God in the Old Testament is like faith in the New Testament. Uh, they didn't really have faith in the Old Testament like it was in the New. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In the Old Testament, they were told to do something, and they had to trust God and do it. Jeremiah is sitting here, and all he's doing is telling them what God said. You know, sometimes you'll tell people what God said, and they just won't get it. And they'll get mad at you. And you're really not the, the one they should be getting mad at. But they're going to get mad at you. Uh, there's some people that's in positions of authority that just because they're in positions of authority, churches or whatever, doesn't mean they know anything about God. You got to get, I mean, brother, you got a book that sits in your hand and you got to sit and look at this thing and say, look, <clears throat> what does the Bible say and what is the world doing? And then you got to do what the book says and you can't pay attention to what the world does. Jeremiah never did. That's why they called him the weeping prophet. He was, he was brought, he never had a wife, he never had kids, he never had none of that stuff. As a matter of fact, he died in Egypt, never got anything. He never really shows a convert, except one guy here toward the end. And I'm sitting there going, Lord, I said, here's a man that is a weeping guy who spent his life serving you, died, and you would think that he had no benefit of anything going on. Zedekiah is like our, our president. He is useless. He's a figurehead. It says, then Zedekiah the king said in verse 5, behold, he is in your hands. I can't do anything. Guess what? We got one just like that. Have you ever looked at things, how they match up sometimes? Uh, there's verses, Proverbs 25, 4, like it's take away the draws from the silver and there shall be, come forth a vessel for the finer. Take away wicked from before the king and his throne shall be established. You know what's before our, our I mean, our Congress, our, our, our Senate, everybody up there, man. I mean, I hate to say this, but they're just wicked as the day is long. They're in it for themselves. We're, the Lord shows you story after story after story in your Bible exactly where you're at. Uh, they, back in the old day, they had gladiators. We got football players now, basketball players, baseball players, hockey players. You name it, it one sport after the next. We're watching people beat them wrestling, worldwide wrestling. I mean, come on now, you got, how about sumo wrestling on top of that? I said, there's some things out there that's just unbelievable to me, and, and we have done it. We're, we're just, we're mirroring what they did back there just a little different. We, we think we're a little bit more sophisticated. Uh, we have arenas, we have all this other stuff. I got a, I got a thing on uh, idol worship. I'm going to play that one of these days. I'll, I'll get it right up here, man. It is cooler than anything. Uh, and the guy just, uh, the skit guys, if you look at up idol worship, skit guys, uh, I thought it was the best presentation of modern America that you could ever see, but people don't get it. They just don't get it. People will not get it. They keep, why do you think Jeremiah was an isolated man? Because the typical person doesn't get it. They see the thing coming at them and they don't get it. Guess what? We're in the end times if you don't believe it. 
I don't care whether you believe it or not. We're in the end times. You know what my job is? is to tell you you're in the end times. But I don't want to hear that. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. If you're going to do something for God, I talked to a friend of mine today, and I said, you know what I'm doing? And he goes, what? I said, I'm doing what I think the Lord told me to do. And I told him what we were doing. He goes, brother, I think you're doing exactly the right thing. I said, yeah. I said, we're trying to get everything finished. I am trying to get everything finished. I told God what I was going to do. I said, I was going to finish this church building. He said, that's exactly what you should do. I said, yeah, if God comes back and catches me in the middle of fixing a, a, a light bulb or something, and I don't get it done, he'll say, well done. You know, he knows when the end is. I don't know when it is. I'm just going to do what he told me. I'm going to keep doing. And I told him, I said, boy, I sure thank God that he gave me a bunch of stuff to do to keep me out of trouble. I said, That's, I, got more stuff I, can, I, I got more stuff. I need another lifetime to finish what I need to finish. And I'm sitting here going, Lord, what a blessing it is. You know what Jeremiah did? He went around just telling people what God said. That's all he did. Here's what the Bible says. I believe the Bible's word of God. You know, the blessing, most blessed thing you'll ever have is if you ever get to the point, and I hope you are, that you believe that this book is the word of God. Not just the word of God, but the word of God. That I can look at this thing and say, hey, God said, I believe God told Jeremiah to tell him, thus saith the Lord. You know, it's a hard thing to do, go up and tell all that. And the princes are sitting there listening. Uh, they're listening, the leaders of the country, the leaders of the people. They're surrounded by the king of Syria. The king of Syria is out to kill him. Uh, he's going to destroy him. The king of Syria knows, thus saith the Lord. He's heard Jeremiah preach. He knows exactly what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah is saying, surrender to these guys and you'll be okay. If you don't, you're going to die. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. Uh, question, let me ask you a question. Are you ready for the Lord to come back? If he came back tonight, I'm serious. Are you ready for him to walk through that door and blow a trumpet and say, come up hither? Oh, no, no, I got this. Hey, man, I'm ready right now. I'll stop whatever I'm doing for him, and he can take me right now. I'm good to go. You say, why is that? Because it's his game and not mine. I'm just playing his game with him. I like this game. I've liked it ever since I got in it. Then Lord, Lord Jeremiah, then Zedekiah the king says, behold, he's in your hands, for the king is not uh, the king, for the king is not he that can do anything against. You know, have you listened to our Supreme Court lately? I mean, they do some of the weirdest things. Uh, our president and his sons and the Congress do weird things with your money. And nobody can stop them. The bureaucracy is so thick that by the time they figure out how to stop them, they done spent your money. And then they don't care about getting it back. They say, okay, we'll pat them on the back. Now, if they want to get, and your news media, man, all this stuff, I, really, this has nothing to do with government or news media. It has to do with this story. It's the same thing today as it was back there. It's no different. Jeremiah cried out not once but twice, thus saith the Lord. When was the last time you told someone, I'm going to go street preaching here real shortly, man. I'm going to go right back out here to Speedway at Woodman and Dorothy Lane. That was the best spot in the whole wide world. You get more people mad right there than any place on this planet. I mean, they'll come by and give you all kinds of gestures, Good ones, bad ones, everything. I'm going to start doing that real soon. If you're interested, let me know. You go out with me. If not, I'm going to go out by myself. Jesus, he cried twice. Jeremiah was heard by all the princes. He made his voice known, and they were listening. You know what? People listen to what you say. They listen to what you don't say, too. Princes sought to silence Jeremiah. I just got a couple notes for me. I'm going to get the message here in a second. They sought to silence Jeremiah. You know what? You know what this world wants to do? Look, just tone it down. No, the world's going to fall apart, and y'all can fall apart with it if you want. I just choose not to fall apart with it. That's where Jeremiah was. I like Jeremiah. Jeremiah's a cool guy, man. The more I read Jeremiah, the more I like him. Him and Zechariah, or uh, uh, man, my brain just went dead. Ezekiel, 
I like Ezekiel too. I like Isaiah. I like, I like all of them guys, man. They're just, I like, they just mean. They're mean. I think you ought to be mean. Uh, you say, why? Because if you're not mean, you need to be mean and be compassionate at the same time. That's a rough thing, man. You got to have, you got to stand your ground and, and just willing to take whatever. You look at all the TV shows or anything in the commercials or anything in the billboards, they make all the men look like a bunch of wimps. Guys, you're not supposed to be a wimp. You're supposed to be a man. And you're supposed to stand up like a man and take it like a man and, and know what you believe. You know what women are looking for? They're looking for somebody who knows what they believe and, and are doing it. They're not looking for some guy who's like, uh, what do you think we should do today? No, <laughs> forget that stuff. You see these guys playing video games? That is the funniest thing. They act like they're really doing something. I'm like, and they're ex I'm like, why don't you go out like and, and roof a house and then cheer when you finish roofing the house? That seems like something better to do. At least you can get money that way. Sitting there playing a video game, all you're doing is paying somebody else for the video. Ah, it's, it's old stuff. Man, y'all ain't going to get that. Princes sought the silence Jeremiah. Just like the princes tried to silence Daniel. Uh, they couldn't stop Jeremiah. They couldn't stop him. And they couldn't stop Daniel either. Daniel, Daniel had purpose in his heart. He was going to serve God no matter what. He didn't care. He just didn't care. I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, if you ever start thinking that way, uh, and usually that thing will start out at salvation, and sometimes uh, churches will mess that thing up a little bit. But I said, I think the Lord didn't allow me to become part of a church for four years to keep me from ever getting that way. I never was in a church that I had to undo something to get where I should have been. I just never was there. I sit on a back porch, trusted Jesus Christ. I just thought that's what you ought to do. That's what this book said. If I'm going to get into this thing and I got a Bible in my hand and the Bible says this, 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 and this, I guess I should just do what this. Man, are you talking about being discouraged? My wife told me today, she goes, Robin, sent me this text. And it's a ship. You can go out on a ship. You do know that's a stinking museum down in North Carolina that the ship is mothballed and it doesn't go nowhere. Who would want to sleep on a ship in a port and pay 85 bucks to do it? Man, they paid me. They used to pay me to do that. I never had to pay nobody. I read that thing. I was all excited. I said, man, I think I was thinking. I said, our country is pretty bad and it's getting worse all the time. I said, I cannot believe that they would take our ships, Navy ships. I can see them do Air Force airplanes and stuff and Army tents and stuff like that, but not a Navy ship, not, not a Navy ship. Not, I mean, there's some place out there that's just got to be some place where it doesn't happen anymore. I said, how could they take a ship with all this top secret stuff on it and allow, so how do you know some pinko commie didn't come up on the brow to sleep on that ship tonight and you take him out to sea? And he's, I said, I can't believe it. I said, give me that article. I got to read it. I just can't believe it. And I was right. It wasn't. It was a, and when I said, I was out there talking to Paul, Paul Philpott, and he goes, oh, that's a piece of junk ship too, man. I'm like, yeah. I said, I, I said don't worry, brother. I said, I tried to talk him into go, going out there with me. I said, let's go out there and sleep on that ship. He goes, no, I'd rather go out and sleep under a bridge, man, than that. But Jeremiah, these princes thought to get him, and they thought to get Daniel. And Daniel just said, no, I'm not going to do it. He goes, I'm going to pray continually. Well, if you, if you don't worship the king and you don't bow down to his image, uh, you're gonna, if you don't ask uh, any petition but of him, he said, we're going to throw you in the lion's den. And Daniel didn't care, man. You know what he said? Throw me in the lion's den. I don't care. Lord, take care of me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, look, I ain't going to do what you said do. He said, the Lord can, re 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 he can repair us, take care of us, revive us. He can, take, he can bring me out of the fire. He can do whatever he wants to do, but I don't have to worry about you. And you got to get to that place in your mind where you don't have to worry about this world. 
You know what our problem is? Is we worry about the world and what happens to us and what we can lose or what we gain. And who cares about it? At any given moment, the whole world could change. That's what's happening right here. You know what? It goes on down through here. Zedekiah was surrounded by foolish men with ulterior motives. They wanted something. They were blind. You're surrounded by the king of Syria. The world is falling apart as you know it. Jeremiah is telling you it's falling apart. You can see it, and you just refuse to believe it. You think something's going to happen. You think God's going to pull a cat out, a rabbit out of the hat for you when you're a bunch of wicked people. Ain't going to happen. I'm not calling y'all wicked, by the way. Y'all are okay. He says, or maybe they just thought everything was going to be all right. I said that. Small minds. I got this little quote. Small minds discuss persons. You know, when you get somebody and all they do is talk about somebody else, that's somebody with a small mind. They got a little bitty teeny, itty, bitty, bitty, bitty mind. It's called gossip. Average minds, an average person, discuss events. Great minds discuss ideas. You know what the greatest thing you could ever do is get saved. And you know what the best idea you'd ever have or thought you'd ever have is to tell somebody about Jesus Christ and how they could get saved. That's a great mind. You know why? Because you got some wisdom. Wisdom is the, is the basis of everything, man. That's what you want. Uh, then they took Jeremiah, cast him, and cast him into the dungeon. I'm getting to the message here in just a second. Message will be a minute or two. A uh, dungeon of uh, Malchiah, the son of Hamalek, uh, that was in the court of the prison. And they let him down, uh, let down, uh, Jeremiah down with cords. And in the dungeon, there was no water but mire, just mud, mud and sludge and all the other stuff that was at the bottom. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. Jeremiah is probably pretty depressed at this moment. Uh, getting, I mean, brother, you got it. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you go through what you go through and you're supposed to go through in life, it's going to get depressing. It all isn't going to be good. The end is great. But along the way, sometimes, just every now and then, there's things that just don't go quite right. I was telling Beth the other day, I said, Beth, we're in the middle of Vanity Fair. Now, if you've never read Pilgrim Progress, you won't even know what I'm talking about. Vanity Fair is a city that is like America in the middle of the book called Pilgrim's Progress. And the Lord made Pilgrim and Faithful go through that city. He says, you will go through that city. You can't go around it. You can't go over it or under it. you got to go through it. Why? Because you gotta, you got to survive the test going through that thing. You know what we got to do? we got to survive this test going through what we're in right now, which is Vanity Fair. I love that book, man. That's a great book. Outside of my Bible, I think the best book on the face of this planet is that book right there. And the man who wrote that book was sitting in a prison, had more character than just about anybody. Freezing cold. They didn't have TV back then, by the way. And they didn't have Wi-Fi. They didn't have heat in the, in the, the jail cells. His door was open. I've, I've seen that from very very few, a very couple, a couple of sources said the exact same thing. Uh, his door never was locked, his jail cell. Outside his door was a piece of paper that if he would sign it, they would give him a license to preach. The only reason he was in that jail cell for 12 years is he would refuse to sign that thing says, no man tells me what I can and cannot preach. No man can tell me to preach or not to preach. No man gives me the authority to preach. God does. You know, Bunyan was a man. He had family. He let, he let his wife and kids and everybody, 12 years he was in that thing, 12, 13 years. Out of that thing right there, he could have got up any time. Now, I tell you what, it takes character night after night after night after night after day after night, knowing that door is unlocked and you never leave. I ain't going to do it, man, because if I walk out that door, people are going to see me, and my testimony means more than anything else. It means more than my life. That was Bunyan. 
We could do good with some men like that today. We could do really good. The, the whole, well, what has happened to us is we've changed. We're like the princes. We're in there. We just don't believe it's really going to happen. Yeah, it is. Jeremiah 38, 7. Now, here's the guy I want to talk about. Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a Gentile. One of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, so he knew about him. Then the king, the, uh, the king then sitting in the gate of, the, of Benjamin. Ebed-Melech Ebed went forth out of the king's house, spake unto uh, to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in that place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take uh, from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeons before he dies. So Ebed-Melech took with him uh, and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old, he, he cared about the saint of God, old, old cast cloths and old rotten rags and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech Ebed the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armhole until under the cords, uh, armhole under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with the cords and took him out of the dungeon. And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Now, you, if you can imagine him, he's already sunk down. He might be up to his neck in mud. Who knows? He couldn't have been quite up to his neck because he could get his arms still out and get the clots around him. They used the rags to keep from hurting him. If they had a rope around him, he'd have rope burns all over him, probably hurt him all over the place. Uh, and they put these things together so it was a little bit bigger, bulkier. Got him under the arms, and then they started pulling him up. And it's like a vacuum sucking him out of that mud. I don't know if you've ever been stuck in mud. Mud's not a fun thing to get stuck in. You get down into that stuff and try to get out. It's like quicksand. You, it just, you're not going to get out as easy as you want. These men all went down there. Ebed Melek went down to get him out. Number one, I'd like to say this about that man. He had a position with the king. Do you have a position with the king? I do. I'm a son of God. I can go to the king anytime I want. I got a position with the king. I'm a, I'm a eunuch. He's a eunuch. That's a gentile. He's a gentile eunuch. You know what I am? I'm a gentile, and I got position with the king. You know, sometimes we have something and we refuse to use what we have. I, I, I'm talking about prayer, man. I got some prayer books. I got some more. I got some uh, uh, Ian Bounds, uh, complete works of Ian Bounds. Uh, I got them. If you read them and you do what that book says, it'll change your life if you want your life changed. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't read it, you will never change if you do not get the concepts of what that book says. You, it won't happen to you. It won't happen. You'll go through life like these princes, and here's the contrast. You're either a prince, you're a people in the city, or you're ebed Melech. The question is, which one you want to be? We know we're not Jeremiah's. We got that one. That's an easy one. But these other three groups of people, uh, you're, you know, ebed Melech didn't have a problem getting 30 men to follow him. The king said, take 30 men. Go follow him. Go get him. He's a Gentile. Number three, I'd like to say about ebed Melech. He's a faithful servant. He had a position with the king. You know, when you get really close to the king the way you should, you got, not number one, you got, you got a place with him. You're, just, you're, you're faithful. You become faithful. You get a position with him. And he's a man that feared God. He heard that Jeremiah was in the pits of despair, and he said, I got to go get him out. I got to go do something. I don't know what to do. I got to go do it. He was privileged to classified information. Ebek Melech was like Daniel in a sense. He was, he was, but he, he's the Gentile in the Israeli, Israel kingdom, 
Daniel was under the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. He was sitting there, and he was privileged to certain information. He knew when he heard these princes talk, he knew what the outcome for Jeremiah was, and it just ate at his craw. I mean, it was in his craw. He couldn't stand it. He knew enough about God to know that that man was a man of God, and that's no way to treat that man. That man just brought us the word of God, and, and it's going to happen just like it said, and that's no way to treat him. He was not afraid to do what was right. Sometimes we get in this world in a place, like Ibn Malik is a perfect example. He, he did not fear himself. He feared what was going to happen to Jeremiah. And he took his chance and went before the king. In Babylon, if you went before the king and he didn't hold out the scepter, if he didn't call you out there, he'd kill you. But this king right here was so weak and beggarly and, and just, just wore out that he didn't care anymore. I don't know if, if he ever cared about anybody coming before him or not. But in this case right here, Ebek Melech went before him, and he had enough pull with the king that the king would listen to him. Power to persuade the king. Ebek Melech must have been a really good servant. Because when he went in front of Zedekiah and asked him, Zedekiah heard what he asked. And gave him audience and listened. You know what that means? That means that for many years, Ebek Melech was doing what he should have done for the king and the Lord could have used him all through those years, just like Joseph, until he got to a certain place where he said, I need to take care of my servant Jeremiah, and I'm going to have a, somebody right in place. You know God will take care of you? He'll, you don't ever have to worry about that. He'll take care of you. What you need to do is get on the Lord's side. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, we, I know you're probably saying, I know that. Well, that's true, but this world is keeping saying, well, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, you wake up tomorrow and this whole place falls apart. You got China and Russia and everybody else over there. Anybody in the military positions understands things could happen real quick. We were out at sea all the time, man, and you'd have Russian trawlers following us in ships. And they would try, every time we'd throw stuff off the ship, they'd stop and pick it up to see what it was. Uh, I mean, we'd throw everything off the ship just to get them to stop. But anything could happen out there at a moment's notice. And, man, you're right in the middle of a war. You're out there fighting. I mean, we got captains on our ships that just wants to blow a Russian ship up. There's Russians out there that wants to blow one of our ships up. There's Russian submarines that want to shoot us. We, we want to shoot their submarines. We're, they're looking for a reason. They have been trained 24-7 for their whole lives and their whole career to go out and fight a battle. And they're looking for a battle. And they're looking for somebody to shoot. And you get out in a situation. Look at what's going on in Ukraine and uh, Romania right now. I told my friend today, I said, if, if Russia could not take the Ukraine, and, and first of all, they already knew everything about the Ukraine. They already knew all their, their weaknesses and their strengths. They owned it for 40, 50, 60 years. And you can't take it in a year? You're a world power? Now, if we wanted Canada, I say Mexico all the time, but I'll go to Canada. If we wanted Canada, we should be able to take Canada in like 15 minutes. If we can't take Canada in 15 minutes, something's wrong with America. Amen. We say we're the baddest, the biggest, baddest people on the planet. We got all these battle groups and everything else. We got all these air, airplanes and, and, and we can't shoot a balloon down. <laughs> I read an article the other day. They send a $27 balloon over and we send a $500,000 missile to blow it up. <laughs> Some ain't right with that picture. They go to Walmart and get a bag of balloons, man, and, and uh, expend or exhaust our, our armory. <laughs> it's crazy, man. This world's insane. I, I, I don't understand why you just don't send somebody up there with a pen. Poof. 
I mean, what more? Do you, get, get one of your planes and shoot some bullets at it, man. I mean, do something, man, but don't send a missile, 400, 500,000 on a missile at it. He, had, he, has, he has a privilege to classify that information. And he was not afraid, to, and he had power with the king. Brethren, this is us. You know you have a position in the king's house when you get saved. I did. I don't know about you. I learned that over the years. I have, I'm privileged to classify that information. I got all kinds of stuff, man. If, if, the, if they told you what was going on right now, you wouldn't believe it. Guess what? We tell people what's going on all the time. They don't believe it either. It's right here, man. It's, it's the craziest book in the whole world. It goes on. Uh, it's, it, we had power to persuade the king. He knew where the king was. Let me ask you a question. You know where the king is tonight? Ebek Melek did. When he needed to get hold of the king, he knew right where he was at. He's in the gate. You know what Ebek Melek does? He goes to the gate. He approached him with an urgent request. When was the last time? I'm going to ask you. When was the last time you got down on your knees, you sit in a chair, you got somewhere, and you said, oh, God, I need. When was the last time you had an urgent request? When was the last time the Lord allowed you? You know what he did for Ebek Melek? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart. Lean on another sin. All that ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct out the path. He had Ebek Melek sitting at the right place at the right time to hear those people say what they said. So he could make a decision about going back and, and helping Jeremiah get out of that pit. Ebek Melek knew all that stuff, man. And you know what he did? He, he reacted to it. He knew right where the king was. He approached him with his urgent request. And he said, Jeremiah's going to die. And he didn't mind to say which side he was on. Brother, I tell you what, the hardest thing you'll ever do is just stand up for Jesus. I like that song. Stand up, stand up for Jesus. Man, I tell you what, you know, you ought to learn how to stand up. It's hard, man. It's hard. You come, this is a Wednesday night crowd, man. I thank God y'all come out to church. It's a blessing. I, I mean, you would think everybody would come out to church. But I pulled up to churches just as dark as they could be, invisible, black, lights out, Wednesday night, nobody's at church. What in the world's wrong with that picture? Purpose. What was Ebek Melek's purpose? To do the will of the Lord. That's all it was. Ebek Melek had no other purpose than to serve the king and do something to keep the king from getting in trouble. And that was to get Jeremiah. He goes up to the king and tells him, he said, we got to go do something. He knew what he wanted to do. He did what he was allowed to do. He didn't go out on a rebel, on a, on a thing on his own. He did exactly what the king, he went to the king, and he did it with zeal. And 30 men. <laughs> I, I was sitting there and read that thing. I said, yeah, man. He, he said, king told him, Zedekiah said, Ebek Melek, go get him. You better take 30 men with you. Because I told some other people to throw him in a pit. They're going to probably fight with you. But the king never went. And he, prayed, and, he, and he prepared He prepared himself to go into the captivity. And he goes back to the, the house, the king of the house, the house of the king. Now, he goes down. He gets uh, Jeremiah out of the pit. And once he does that, uh, that's it. He did exactly what he said. He gets Jeremiah up. Jeremiah stays in the, in the prison court there for, for some length of time. Uh, and Ebek Melek goes back into the king's house and just lives there, and you would think that's the end of the story. And that's really not the end of the story. Jeremiah 39.1, I got a couple things to say, and I'll be done here. I'll be done in five, ten minutes. 39.1, in the, in the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his armies against Jerusalem and besieged it. And in the 11th year, two years later, 9, 10, 11, 9, 10, 11, two years, two, maybe three years, 
A constant battle going on out there, exactly what Jeremiah said was going to happen. It says, in the 11th year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, in the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. The word of the Lord was accomplished just as Jeremiah said. You know, Ebek Melek was in the courtroom or in there, and he was, he was going back, and he was whatever Jeremiah said was going to happen was going to happen to him too. Ebek Melek never ran. He was willing to take whatever was going to happen to everybody else. Uh, the city was taken and destroyed, and all the inhabitants went into captivity. But you need to remember the Lord never forgets. He never, ever, ever forgets. He's watching everything you do. You may not think he's watching, he's watching. Brethren, I'm going to tell you something right now. We fail. A righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. Everybody fails. Don't look at the failure of somebody. Look at the, the glory of the thing when he gets back up and starts serving Jesus Christ and moves on. Don't just look at somebody when they're down and say, well, I've seen you. Man, I'm so sick of seeing you. you I, yeah, so what? So what? David committed adultery. I got it, man. But he still lived the rest of his life and got to do some stuff for God. Moses messed up. He struck the rock twice when he shouldn't have done it. And he didn't get to go into promised land. Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. Noah got drunk. I mean, how many more you want to see go bad, man? We all mess up. Who doesn't mess up? Unless you're the perfect one. You know, I guess there is one out there somewhere. I heard about a perfect man one time. I just never seen him. He could walk on water and all kinds of stuff. Uh, he could help other people walk on water. You know that you need his help to walk on water. You do know that, right? Because the moment you forget that he's there, you start sinking. He never forgot he was there. He could just stay on top of the water. Verse 11. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave uh, 3911, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to uh, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, take him and look well unto him. You know, he, he said, man, that guy prophesied to these people for years that we're going to come in, and they just won't listen. You're talking about a bunch of hard, stiff-necked people. That's these people right here. They're hard. The Lord remembered Jeremiah, never forgot him. He sent the enemy in and told the enemy to take care of Jeremiah, and they took care of Jeremiah. Verse 15, here comes the message. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying. Brother, I'll tell you what, we're a bunch of Gentiles. And Ebed-Melech is a Gentile. Jeremiah is a Jew. And the Lord, we're going right through the time now where we have an opportunity to help. We still have time and opportunity to help and to help and to help and to help. And when the Lord reveals something to us and we see a need, we still have the time to help. You know, you may be an Ebed Melech tonight. You may be just sitting somewhere thinking you're not doing anything at all. But you, you, the Lord's got you in a place where he knows right where you're at at any given time. I, I, I told that story a thousand times. I'll never forget it. I was on the back of a ship in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I mean, out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Water, water everywhere you see water. And I'm standing on the back of the ship mad as a hornet. And it's like the Lord's seven on the back of the ship said, hey, what if I want you on the back of a ship in the middle of the ocean? You are my servant. I'm not yours. You do know that, right? I'm like, yeah. I said, I guess I need to be on the back of a ship in the middle of the ocean. That's where I need. I got my skip back, and I was happy again, got some joy. Started skipping through the ship, telling everybody about Jesus Christ. You say, what was that? I knew I was right where God wanted me. What did God do? Well, I didn't know he was doing anything right then and there, but I, I watched him do some stuff later on uh, that kind of blew me out of the water, but he did it. He said, go and speak to Ebek Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good, and they shall be accomplished in the day before thee. 
Now, brothers, sometimes we get all upset because of the preaching. He's mean. He's this. He's telling us we can't have fun. He said, I'm not telling you anything. I'm just telling you that God doesn't approve of everything, by the way. And that's all uh, that he did here. And, and, and Jeremiah said, they, they're going to take the city. Man, could you imagine that? God built that city. God gave them the ability to build that city, and God let them tear it down, too. You know what that tells you? That he don't care one thing about a building. He don't care one thing about any pews. He don't care about carpet. He don't care about nothing else. What he cares about is a heart. That's what he cares about. And if you don't have the right heart, he'll put you out of the city for 70 years. I don't know about you guys. I ain't got 70 years left. He goes, but, but 17. This is the, this is the message. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord. And thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. You know, Ebek Melech was afraid. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. He went back after he pulled Jeremiah out of there, and he believed what Jeremiah said. The Lord testified to it right here. He knew, he knew what Ebek Melech believed. He knew that that thing was gumming. And you know what Ebek Melech did? Humble man. He said, I'm just a Gentile man. I said, I'm going to go and die with these people. They're not going to go. I can't go. I'm going to die with these people. That's what's going to happen to me. But that's okay, man. There's a man of God down there named Jeremiah, and he's in trouble. And I got a few moments to help him, and I'm going to go help him while I can. And he goes right back into the woodwork, and you don't hear much about him until right here. But the Lord's always got his eye on Ebek Melech. And he said, he's like, he's like the Rickabites, man, and all them other guys. He's, he's one of these guys who the Lord watches and watches and watches. And you don't think doing right matters? And to God, it, it's everything. And it could be just a small little dinky thing. But the Lord, that's huge. That is huge. It's huge. you got to watch this stuff. He said, for I surely, this is God talking to Ebek Melech. He told uh, Jeremiah, go tell him. He said, for I surely will deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee, because thou hast put trust in me, saith the Lord. You know why he went down there and got Jeremiah? Not for Jeremiah. He did it for the Lord. He said, Lord, that's your man down there, and they shouldn't do that. He's like Phineas, man, who took the spear, the, the javelin, and went and jabbed a woman and a guy because they were running around in the tent. And the, Boy, I tell you what, there'd be dead people all over America if we had that privilege. You say, what? Yeah, they, if, if some of the men and women had enough guts and that we could get away with it. Now, I don't know this is probably going to go out online and we're going to get in all trouble. I'm going to be locked up tomorrow. But in the Bible days, <laughs> way back in the Bible days, I mean, Phineas had it, man. He got, all, he got all zealous, man. He took that javelin. He went out there. And he, he javelinized a man. Whew, whew, took him out. You say, what was it? God said, hey, that guy right there will go forever, man. You know what God likes? He likes people on his side. You know what Ebek Melek was? He was on the Lord's side. And sometimes you don't see it, but he is. He says, I will deliver thee because thou hast put that trust in me. The Lord remembered a Gentile dog named Ebek Melech. And the Lord will remember you. You don't ever have to worry about it. Brother, no matter what happens in this world, don't even worry about it. You know what you need to do is keep doing what you're supposed to do. Look for somebody to help along the way. Give them a gospel track. Help a brother or sister up. Be something, do something good for God. And do it for the Lord. Don't do it for somebody else. Don't do it to get recognition. You know what I like about Ebek Melech? He never thought he was ever going to get nothing out of it. He didn't care. You know what he cared about was what the Lord did and his man, Jeremiah. There's a story in the Old Testament. Uh, King of Syria uh, went to take Elisha out. 
because uh, every time he turned around, Elisha outwitted him, and, and you can't beat the man of God. You're not going to beat the guy. Uh, I like Elijah. I like Elijah. I like, I like all them guys. They're just, I like Jonathan, man, and his armor bearer. I think it's some of the neatest stuff. I like, I like underdogs. I like an underdog. An underdog is a guy who, or a girl who, I like Rahab the harlot, man. That is a great story. I don't know about you, but that's just a great story to me. Here's a harlot. I don't know if you don't know what a harlot is. Come talk to me after church. I'll tell you what a harlot is. It goes right along with a whore. You know what I mean? That's what it is. And that, that word's in the Bible too, so don't get all upset. But, but a harlot, Rahab, the harlot. This isn't like a one-night stand. This is a harlot. This men of the city knew what she was. They came to her house. So did two, two, two spies. <laughs> Why would they go there, man? I don't know. I mean, I, that's a couple of questions I have. Of all the places you go, why go there? And, and she, she looks at him, and she has heard some things, like Ebed Melek. She heard some things, and she knew that, that God was coming, and there he's coming. He's coming. And here's two of his guys, and I'm going to take care of these two guys. And she goes, just remember me. Just remember me. Now, brother, I mean, she's up on the wall. And they walk around the city seven days. Oh, by the way, one of those days was the Sabbath. They're out there doing what they shouldn't have done. You know, if God tells you to break the Sabbath, you can break it. Seven days they went around the walls. It doesn't, if they started on the one day after the Sabbath, the next one was on the Sabbath. It, they went across the Sabbath. And they went out there and still did whatever they did. And blew the trumpet seven times. And that walls all fell except for Rahab the harlot's wall. Right where she's at, the pillar where she's in. And he tells his two guys, go get her and bring her out and her family and her brethren and all the stuff she has. And she's in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Man, I tell you what, that, that excites me. She's an underdog. I mean, she, she took a chance on God, not knowing that God would do anything for her. And how about the Gibeonites, man? The Gibeonites are great, man. They come up, oh, we've been, we've been traveling forever today. Lying like a dog. We've been traveling forever. Look at our shoes. Don't ever believe what you see. Look at our bread. It's all moldy. Well, yeah, you had old moldy bread. You grabbed it. Man, them guys are like Hollywood stars, man. They, they planned all that stuff. And, and Joshua and them never asked the Lord. They should have said, Lord, is this true or false? He just told them. But they didn't. So then they got to be hewers of wood. They didn't care. I got to, just like the woman under the table, man, said even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I'm telling you what, crumbs from a master's table is a whole lot better than any steak in any place on this planet. 2 Kings 16, 616. Y'all don't have to turn there. I'll just go here. Elijah was sitting here, and the king of Syria was after him. And uh, Elijah just really didn't care. He never did care. None of them guys ever cared. But the, the servants, they were learning. They were, they were Elijah's in training. And a lot of times, we just don't know. We're, we're learning. You've got to go along life a certain way, and you're learning. You're learning. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your faith gets increased, obviously, by the more word you hear, the more you put in your head. The more you listen, the more you, you think, the more you do the things out of this book, your faith starts increasing. If you have no faith, I'm going to tell you exactly what your problem is. You're nowhere near this thing, and you're not doing nothing this thing says. If you're still looking at the world out here like it has your answer, you're not going to have much faith. Now, some people can, can fake faith, but what really, really comes down to it is like right here. The king of Syria comes after these guys, and Elijah's sitting there, and he don't care. It says in verse 16, 616, 2 Kings 616, it says, Elijah, he goes, and he answered him, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. You know, Elijah saw something that his servant never saw. 
Uh, I know that in, you know, I've got a, some song books and I got a Bible and I got some things that when I started this thing out a long, long, long time ago, I had to learn to trust some people and I had to learn not to trust others. And the Lord brought me through all that stuff and said, these are the people you can trust and, and these are the people you can't. And even the ones that you think you can trust, you may not be able to trust them as far as you can throw them. So don't trust man, trust me. And I will get you through everything that you need to get through. I will get you around men that will teach you all kinds of stuff, but just remember, they're men. Dr. Rum's a great man. He's just like all the rest of us. Well, if you're a man in here. Uh, he put his pants on just like any other man did. Ladies put on dresses like all the other ladies do. However, comma, you can't look at a man all the time and say, oh, look, he just messed up. And that's what people do. They're small minds. When they stop, and that, that quote I made earlier, a small mind looks at people. That's it. I'm just looking at people. And this person and that person and this person. When somebody starts talking about people all the time, then what they don't realize is that we're all a mess. And they think that you're supposed to, so, I hear people say, well, if you were a Christian, you would. I'm like, I don't even have to say if you were a moron, because you are. Because that's the only thing a moron would do is say that kind of stuff. Elijah prayed. You know what you need to do? You need to learn how to pray. It says that Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee. I'd like to say one thing about Elijah here, two things, maybe three or four. I might get done sometime tonight. Elijah had a relationship. How many times have we talked about relationship? Elijah, you know what, you know what Elijah, no different than you guys and me. Elijah had a, re, a relationship with God. And Elijah prayed and the Lord heard him. He said, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and the young man, uh, of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire about Elijah. Brother, you know what's around us all the time? You can't see them. They're there, protection. I, I believe there's devils out there, although, I, I mean, you say, well, you're crazy. Eh, maybe I am. I believe there's just as many devils out there as there are angels all over the place, but they can't get to you, and they know they can't get to you, and they cannot touch you without God's permission. They cannot do it. And you know what the Lord wants you to do is stand up and just be brave. People are, are ignorant. There are all kinds of people out there just as ignorant as they could be. The princes were just as ignorant. In the face of destruction, they were ignorant. Here's a man of God telling them. He, and Elijah goes, I'll tell you what you want to hear. King calls him up. Elijah, tell me what. You got a word from the Lord? Yep, and you ain't going to like it. Well, tell me what it is anyways. I, they, I read through there. He goes, tell us what to do and we'll do it. You bunch of liars, you will not. He told them what to do. They didn't do it. They did just opposite of what he told them to do. You know what it is? The hardest thing is to let go of yourself and just trust God. You hear everybody say, let go and let God. That is about the stupidest saying I've ever heard in my life. Although it's true, you, letting go is the hardest thing you'll ever do. you got to let go of yourself and just get to the place where you say, okay, Lord, show me exactly what you want me to do. And you start watching. And what he'll do is show you something. And it may be 10 or 15 years before that thing comes. Noah was 100 years building an ark. Brother, you ain't going to live 100 years. So go down to the 10 or 15 years mark. Maybe six months. You know what he'll first do is he'll tell you to do something that might only take five minutes. Then he'll tell you to do something that might take 10 minutes. Then somewhere down the road he'll tell you something that might take an hour or two. Then it may take a week or two. Then it may take a month or two. Then it may take, when I went to ETA school, you know what he told me? Go to ETA school. I went to ETA school. You know, he didn't talk to me for two years, Harley. You know what I had to do? Finish ETA school. 
I couldn't get satellite school until I finished ETA school. So you know what my number one concern was? ETA school. That's what I did morning, noon, and night. That's all I did. That's all I cared about doing. Morning, noon, and night. This, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen 25 years from now. I just got to worry about getting through school every day. He said, how you start, how you finish. Finish the job. You know what Dr. Roman told us? And I'm done. He said this. He said, if the Lord comes back and catches you doing your Greek, he'll say, well done now, good and faithful servant, if it was God's will that you be in Bible college doing Greek. Brethren, you're doing the Lord's will if you're doing what he told you to do. You know what Ebek Melik did? Ebek Melik did exactly what the Lord told him to do, and the Lord blessed him. Title this message, which I didn't give a title at the beginning because they're going to ask me in a few minutes, a reward to a faithful servant. You know what Ebek Melik was? A faithful servant. You know what he did? He went against the odds. The prince, he's, an, he's, a, he's a eunuch. The princess could have had him killed. Ebek Melik didn't care. You know what he did? He did what he felt like he should have done. He went right to the king. He had access to the king. The king gave him what he requested, and he got the man of God out of trouble. And the king never forgot him. I'm talking about the king of kings. And when it came time that Ebek Melik needed something, the king was there to get him out of it. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for a Bible that we can read. Lord, this world is getting crazier and crazier and crazier. But Lord, we still have time. Lord, thank you for that apartment complex around the corner here that you gave us. Lord, there's more stuff to keep us busy. Uh, Lord, and, and that's what we need to do is stay busy, Lord. An idle mind is a devil's workshop, which is a true thing. Lord, help us to never be idle. Lord, help our young men get jobs and uh, work all day long and just learn how to work. And, and Lord, I just pray that you'd bless them and, and bless the, the work of their hands, the fruit of their labors. Lord, help us just to keep on going and be a testimony to this, this crowd, this world that's out here. And Lord, uh, help us always have an answer for those, uh, the hope that's within us, to give them for the hope that's within us. And Lord, again, we'll thank you and praise you, Lord. Thank you for stories all through your Bible. I like this one about Ebed Melech, Lord. I've always read it and liked it. I just like a man like that who, who, for the sake of serving you, Lord, put his life on the line and did something for you and, and helped Jeremiah out and got him out. And Lord, uh, you never forgot Ebek Melech like you'll never forget us. Lord, we can always trust you. And Lord, uh, I pray that you be with the prayer service tonight. Lord, uh, bless, uh, bless Miss Betty as she's getting better and, and healing up over there. Lord, I just pray that you put your hand upon her. And Father, again, uh, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.